Welcome to Bipolar Inquiry, drafting and crafting bipolar consciousness since 2016 by philosophizing, relanguaging, and harvesting mania's special messages, meaning visions, extraordinary experiences, ideas, insights, superpowers, possibilities, synchronicity, and parallel worlds. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information discussed on the show is not medical advice. Now, let's get started with this episode. Science as logic doesn't see how intelligence can exist beyond words. We think words are intelligence. It's intelligence that creates words, and we don't see that that difference. We don't see the space in which words arise. And in that way, I was thinking in terms of children on the autism spectrum that are maybe seen as like unfortunate and maybe less intelligent because they're less able to pick up words. We don't see that there's a different intelligence in action and we don't actually see that they're kind of proving that there's a lot more to intelligence beyond words than we realize because they're able to remain in that state of play and wordless intelligence longer. I was thinking too about how I talked about how children with autism need a lot more love. They really need unconditional love in order to flower because they can sense what's not love. It's almost like they are highly sensitive in the same way and a tantrum in a way is their bullshit meter of them realizing something's happening that's not love. And so, and also, they're being born in a time where they're not going to be institutionalized as much. And someone was telling me about how at an airport, you can get a stamp for your passport if your child is on the spectrum. And if you have that stamp, you can go to the front of the line in checking in and you can go to the front of the line to get on the airplane because they realize that these children get quite distressed in waiting in lines. They don't understand. Okay, stand here now for the next hour. They don't understand why they just have to stand there in a line. So they'd be running all over or they'd be maybe getting upset. And so they've made it so the kids can go to the front of the line with the family, of course. And I thought to myself that this is an instance, it's a small example, and I'm sure there's lots out there in the case of children with autism, where they are able to have a different process that understands their needs. So in a way, it's like a redesign of reality for those children. It's changing society, it's changing the structure of the system to support these children to be able to travel in an easier way. So it's facilitating that. 
And I thought that was really awesome. And then I like to think and extrapolate, well, how are they going to change so many other things for these children to be able to flower in society? And I wonder if they'll ever realize and be able to create the space for these children to grow up and share what it is their gift is. Will we even create the environment that allows what it is that's trying to flower through these children to actually flower? It's one thing to create easier travel. It's another thing to create easier education. And it's another thing to even be able to recognize with our logical minds their gifts and their intelligence that's different than our logical minds. Will we be able to recognize it? And will we be able to support them for that to flower? They have a lot better chance. I think their experience is also a transconscious experience. And they have a better chance in a way because they're innocent children and they're being born this way or they're acquiring this or however it works and you can't really you know drug them up on antipsychotics when they're having a tantrum and that's what happens to people that go into trans consciousness later in life and so those people aren't allowed to flower either they're suppressed. It's one thing to design things into reality so children with autism don't have tantrums. And it's another thing to design it in such a way that they have the space to explore so that they actually flower. Not just giving them enough space so they don't get angry and have a tantrum giving them more space so they will flower in a way that surprises us. Maybe at some point we'll actually be able to see what it is that they have to offer. We might have to create a gentler world for them. And we all have to be gentler in order for that to happen. And I thought about the algorithm again. That's probably my next theme. Is the algorithm. And I was thinking that the algorithm has something to do with oneness and how we arise in relationship. And that relates to how I arise in relationship and working in the mental health system. In the paradigm of mental illness. Which is against the algorithm of what it is that this energy wants to be one with. Because I've felt before that I'm sort of whatever is happening in the situation. Maybe that's getting stronger because last time I was in the psych ward, it was not pretty. I really felt like I was turning into a borderline, as they're called, by the medication that I was given and the situation I was in. And it's really scary and difficult to get myself out of that. 
and I got out just in the nick of time. And I feel like now, I'm feeling fine right now, but if I get into that situation where I'm starting to go downhill, then it starts to justify the paradigm that I'm in. And I don't want to be in that. When I'm arising in that relationship with the mental health system, I want to be like, you guys have it largely wrong. And maybe I feel that more in my heart, more than I'm able to explain to people in logic. Maybe it just hurts. Maybe it hurts partly not just because of how the system is today, but what it's done pe to people over the years. Maybe my brain is extrapolating. Maybe my brain is seeing the implications. And maybe my, my senses, my feeling is feeling that. And it's sad because if I get back to a place of super distress, then my friends and family have to feed me back into that. They don't really have a choice. There's no other options. And so then I put them in the place of needing to do that. And then that creates some tension with my family a little bit because then that happened again. And, and then when I'm in that distressed state, I start, if I'm interacting with my family, then I'm taking stuff out on them when I allowed myself to get into that place in a way. So again, it's adding more justification to the scenario. And I don't know, it's just... And it's interesting that I'm having trouble doing linear documents right now, but I can, I can speak from my heart and I can do heart-centered things. Maybe it's because I'm more in my heart center and that's more activated and more energetic so it's difficult to use this logic processor and the heart has a different logic and I wrote that the heart logic is beyond ego logic and is the true algorithm of quantum processing we are aware, consciously aware of a few bits of information. Yet the heart is aware of a lot more and I think that's blocked by the ego rationality. And it's interesting when we're in fight or flight I read that we get access to more like 21 bits of information whereas if we're in regular consciousness we have access to about four bits. And I could be off on the numbers a little bit and it's interesting, in fight or flight, we don't need the ego. It sort of goes away. We're in a state of being ready to flee or ready to fight. And so I feel like if we just didn't use the ego, we weren't being used by it, then we would have access to more information. So again, being more in one's heart-centered consciousness, which I think happens, in the trans consciousness experience, it's almost like the heart center takes
precedence and the ego takes the back seat. It's not like everyone's ego completely disappears and everyone has a clear mind and things like that. It's that a person is acting based on the heart information first and then the ego comes in and sort of rationalizes things afterwards versus acting based on rationality and blocking out what's happening with the heart and sort of rationalizing away what's happening with the heart. And so the heart logic is blocked by the ego logic. And also, if we were following our hearts, we wouldn't necessarily be following what our ego mind has programmed us to think is pleasure. So thinking is seeking pleasure and avoiding pain. And when we're in our heart and following our heart, we're just following our heart. We're not seeking pleasure and avoiding pain. And I was thinking about how the fear state opens us up to more bits of information. And that could be part of what the extreme athletes do with the flow state as they get into activities that they're sort of in fight or flight because they're doing these extreme activities that could actually lead to death. And I was thinking about how our ego sort of programs us into thinking, okay, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to be successful and blah, blah, blah. And in that thought process of how we're programmed to think is life, there's some sort of safety in that. Like step one, step two, step three, and then I'll be happy. One day I'll be happy. Whereas if we were in the state of consciousness where we were in synchronicity and creating and learning and unfolding, that would almost be like death is just around the corner because one isn't planning this little safe existence so I think that's part of what happens with manic consciousness and synchronicity is one is in that flow because one is just full out living and not delaying living through instant gratification and delayed happiness. And part of the death thing could be related to how in synchronicity one is having an experience of ego death because one is moving in and out of being one with whatever it is one is experiencing. If I am in a state of awe, I'm one with that and I'm not in my ego processing. If I was in my ego processing, I wouldn't be in a state of awe. And so then maybe I go back into ego processing, but then I have a conversation with somebody that is a stranger and it gets kind of deep. Well, now I'm not an ego, I'm being relational. So in a way, these times where the ego is not operating is an ego death. An ego has to be dead or non-functional in order to be in the flow state. And so one can do that through being relational with someone or one can do that by experiencing beauty and nature. And I feel like too, when a person goes into trans consciousness and their heart brain is more the initial processor of things and the leader, one seeks more of these relational experiences and these awe experiences because it is a holistic processor of things 
And when we're seeing holistically, we're acting holistically, which isn't an ego thing. And I wrote down that it seems the fear state gives us that extra bit of energy to process the extra bits from four bits to 21 bits. But it also could be that since the ego is temporarily disabled, that's what is the extra energy. And I've talked about that before, how the ego wastes energy. And so we have that energy because we're in the fear state and we need it in case we need to act on these bits of information that are coming in, these extra bits. So it seems like also that those extra bits of information are are there because we know we need to act. And Krishnamurti talks about how thought is inaction and how, and to me that means that in a state where one is going to be acting, one might automatically have access to more information. So people that are acting in the moment have more information that they're accessing because the thought is actually preventing one from acting. Even if one is doing something, they're not really acting because they're in their head, they're somewhere else in their mind. So it seems like action gives that extra energy too. And we don't need to necessarily be in a state of fear to be in a state of action. And in the same way, I could almost think to myself, if I'm feeling something that feels like fear, it is processing more information. So it might be felt as fear, but it could actually just be more information being processed. And that is sort of tied into or coupled with the fearful state in our physiology. Because usually that's actually when we reserve action, like fight or flight, life or death, then we must act. Otherwise, it's easier for one to be a psychological, emotional, and physical couch potato. So in a way that sensation of supposed fear or anxiety could just be action calling. And this job I have is kind of like inaction, sitting around looking at a screen. That's not really action. And so it could be a reaction to inaction and a call for action. And in a way it is, because so many times when a person experiences so-called anxiety, it leads us to not take action because we're feeling that fear but really there's some sort of action that needs to be taken and I was thinking about two movies that are coming out in the next while one is Healing Voices and I missed the screening that they had in my area but I ordered it I pre-ordered it and I think it comes out in about two weeks and I'm curious to see what kind of language they use because when I went to the Voices and Visions group the other week they talked about how we don't use medical language blah 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 and then the people that presented on the Hearing Voices conference in Paris they talked about how the Hearing Voices 
movement and group of people don't associate them with the mental illness paradigm at all. They, they see themselves as a totally separate thing. So I'm assuming this movie will touch on that. And it's interesting because I'm not a voice hearer at this time or anything like that, but I really resonate with what they're doing in that they're saying, this is not a medical thing, this has nothing to do with mental illness. And then people that join up with that, they co-support each other in that they hear voices, but they don't see themselves as less than, they don't see themselves as mentally ill or deficient. And I feel like whatever it is that I'm talking about with myself in self-dialogue, I don't know if it would be like trans-consciousness or, or visionary, I've talked about visionary stuff. Visionary sort of sounds like, oh, I see things. And I don't really see things as much as I am a deep processor of things and I extrapolate things and I see the implications, I see what's implicit. And when I see what's implicit and I talk about it, I make it explicit. So perhaps it is that I see the implicit order of things. And not all the time, like I've gone through periods where nothing comes to my mind screen. So it's not like, oh, this is how I am all the time. But what I've realized is lately it seems like I'm like this more so, maybe because I'm talking with myself. And I feel too that I've finally found a process to keep up with it in a way. And I've talked about how if I just write stuff down and write stuff down and then put it on the shelf, I don't even know when I'll get around to it. So by writing a bit of stuff down and then talking about it and then just keep going like that, and then when I edit videos, sometimes I, I see something else. And again, it's not seeing as in, oh, I see it right in front of me. I understand something. I see how something might work. And it's not necessarily, oh, this is how it works but it's a process of, of learning. And since my brain has sort of been going in this way for a while now, because I've been doing the videos, it could be that by doing the videos, it's a way for me to witness it in myself and make it as explicit. So then more can sort of come out. Because if I'm just writing and I'm never revisiting it, or I'm writing it, I'm not speaking it, so this process, and I've talked about it before, is like writing, reading it, speaking it, and then watching myself speak it because I'm just editing out the gaps and things. And that makes me hear it and see it and see what I'm saying as I'm saying it. It's a process that I think is allowing it to unfold differently. Because I remember in the very first time I experienced this sort of opening up of my brain. I saw so much and I wrote down so much and a lot of it was disjointed and, and didn't really make sense, but some of it did. And then some of it, even if it made sense, it kind of was freaky, even if it was positive because it was so out there. But now that I've been talking to myself enough, I think I've created enough context that it's slowly building on itself instead of something being so far out there. It's something that is an extrapolation of something I extrapolated of something I extrapolated so it's not freaky it's not like this giant leap 
that kind of scares me. I remember one time I was like writing something about E equals MC squared or something. And then I just like had this major, what would be called a panic attack and like, and I was just writing about E equals MC squared. I don't even know what it was. I'll probably find it one day. But the process of writing would scare me. Maybe it was the process of learning itself that was sort of scary. This process of learning. So it just seems that I found a good process. And I think I've talked about before too that it would be impossible to really do this with slower internet and a crappy phone. So technology is sort of caught up with what it is it seems that the best medium is for me to talk to myself about this and so it almost feels like my brain is now unfolding learning in a certain way that I don't have to rely on the mental illness paradigm in a way I feel like my brain has created enough context that I feel safe in outgrowing it and it would be awesome if I could outgrow the need for medication and outgrow needing to go to the psychiatrist and I don't even think I really need them. I think I talked about before how I could probably do without it if I lived in a peaceful place and I don't mean like I have to live in the middle of nowhere I just mean in a neighborhood that doesn't have trucks going by every five minutes and um, also that might be the main requirement so maybe it would be better for me to quit my job find a peaceful place to live taper off the medication and then say bye bye mental health paradigm and then have whatever it is that I want to create outside of that and not feel like, oh, I'm a hypocrite because I'm still taking medication, yet I'm saying I don't have a medical problem. So that's that's kind of the process, and, and I think that would need to be tied into embodying my mania and things, because if I wasn't yet embodying my mania, then I wouldn't be living according to my heart, and if I'm not living according to my heart, I'm going to need medication for my brain. So it's important for that to happen too. So I think it'll unfold naturally. And that's why I'm not releasing these right away is because this is really for myself. This is a self dialogue with myself, for myself. And so, yeah, with the Healing Voices movie, I'm really curious to see if what they say and the things they talk about in the movie are congruent with what it is I've been talking to myself about because this is different than the mental health paradigm sort of drawing examples and parallels and difference and differences and things and since the healing voices movement is about or I guess it's the hearing voices movement, but they call it healing voices movie, which is interesting. 
I'm curious to see if a lot of what they say is parallel to what I've been saying. Because part of me, I've done some reading in the past and things, and then I'm, I'm doing all this talking, and then the bits that I do come across, it seems like they are very congruent to what it is that I'm saying, even if it's something not really related to what I'm talking about. Even with that article about how the universities are trying to make policies more in alignment with well-being so people don't get so stressed out so they can actually do well because they're not stressed about the whole process and so they were talking about hiring listeners to listen to people through universities so they have someone to talk to and I was thinking wow that's exactly what I envision for my community of people who have some distress and need someone to talk to but instead get a pill and so that's the ECPR thing. So I just see parallels of things happening that are in alignment with what it is that I'm talking about. And and that's awesome. So I'm really curious to watch that movie and hear what people have to say and see if it resonates with what I'm talking about for myself in self-dialogue. Because, to go with what I'm saying, if it's a different line of intelligence, or it's a line of intelligence we all have, it's not different. It's just different than the one we've been programmed to think is intelligence, which isn't actually what intelligence is. It's sort of like a fake, it's like a, it's an artificial intelligence actually, and that's what I was thinking, I was thinking thought and reason and logic is artificial intelligence. It's intelligence put over our natural innate intelligence. So we already have artificial intelligence. We have programmed bio-robots walking around telling people what intelligence is when they're just programmed. And there's another movie coming out that I also pre-ordered and I'm not sure when it's coming out but it's called Crazy Wise and it's been a long time in the making and I'm sure it'll change a lot of things and I don't know what it's about exactly but I know it'll be about different perspectives of mental health and so I'm interested to watch that too to see if it's congruent with what I've been talking to myself about, creating context about. And I'm wondering what I'll be able to extrapolate from those movies. I'll definitely do that. Thank you for listening to Bipolar Inquiry. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, use your voice, craft your consciousness, embody your potential, enter a quantum paradigm. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information in this show is not medical advice. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.